0: Good morning. I've been um, suggesting a couple of practices in the last talks. Um, One is uh, now and then when you think of it, when you remember to step back from your ordinary present experience and uh, ask, what is aware? Now, you know, I can say uh, things about it because I've done this practice, uh, but really, it's important for you just to do it. If, you, if you're interested, you know, just to do it and to see what happens. So I'm just doing this little recap because that's something I've been speaking about. And the other um, practice that I've suggested is to notice the distinction between the contents of mind and the field of mind. And look, this is just words. It's just trying to make a distinction in our experience. So the contents are everything you know, thoughts, feelings, visuals, sounds, all of this is content. And um, the suggestion is to notice that whatever the content is that is in the focus of your attention, that it's embedded in a field. I'm not even saying anything right now about the nature of this field. Is it mind? Is it reality? Is it this other stuff that you're not focusing on? Just, Just allow a distinction between what's in the focus of your attention and and that there is more than what you are focused on that's that's all for now you know because uh, we live on zoom so much these days i'm um, i'm noticing that you know i can be i can look at one of these rectangles one of you, you know. It's on. Rectangle. And when I look at one rectangle, you know, there's Luke. I, probably Luke is, sorry, Luke, but Luke is probably somewhere else for you on the screen than it is, than he is for me. It's amazing. It's just, just like, there's Luke. Okay, so if I look at Luke, um, he doesn't feel like I'm looking at him. But as I'm looking at Luke, you know, all the other rectangles are kind of out of focus. Or when I look away from the screen, I look at Brian, who's sitting in the room with me, you know, the screen is out of focus. But it's interesting. It doesn't mean that the screen isn't there when I turn away from it, it's actually operating. I'm just not focused on it. Now, imagine, imagine the fullness of, of reality, the fullness of your life. Just because you're not focused on something doesn't mean it isn't operating. There's this immense, great activity that's happening um, all around us at all times. And I'm just focused on this one rectangle on the content, on that which is the content of my mind right now. You know, much of what we're talking about when we're talking about um, Buddha or Buddha nature or true nature, your true nature, being you yourself, as I said in the last talk, has a lot to do with allowing this larger field to to be... How can I say this? Yeah, let let me just say, to allow this larger field to function. To not be... Another way, I'm just stumbling around. uh, To not be too forgetful of this larger field. But, you know, it's hard to be not forgetful of the field because when I'm focused on this one rectangle, the content of my mind, everything else is kind of out of focus. So not to be forgetful of it is actually really difficult because the structure of my mind makes me be focused on one thing, and everything else is kind of cut off. But it's not cut off. It functions. The wholeness or totality of of reality is actually always functioning, whether I'm focused on it or not. In fact, it's not possible to be focused on it because to be focused on something means to already exclude something else. So this totality cannot be focused on. It's always functioning from the background. Now, um, the most... Fundamental instruction of our school, Soto Zen Buddhism, is just to sit. There's a lot of meaning in this word just. Depending on how you um, understand the word just, your practice is working or not working so well. But you know, it's actually kind of stupid of me to make a judgment, practice is working well or not well. The main thing is you're practicing, you're sitting. So now there's this instruction to just sit. So what what is this just about, is what I want to bring up in this talk. What is this just sitting? So I have um, translated the instruction just to sit into allowing your experiencing to be exactly what it is at this time. This sounds more complicated, but I find it helpful. I'm not forgetting the simplicity of just sitting, but I'm now adding to it the understanding that just means allowing your experiencing to be exactly what it is at this time when you when you feel into this when you feel into this instruction allow your experiencing allow your experiencing to be what it is exactly what it is at this time this instruction makes sense in relationship to the habit very very general habit of wanting your experiencing to be other than it is. It's so general, you know. We we may not be aware that this is something that's actually going on all the time. Uh, Even if it's not going on, it is a kind of momentum, a kind of habit momentum that can kick back in Whenever, you know, it's just lurking there all the time to, to wanting my experiencing to be other than it is. So you can check in with yourself right now, just very simply, you know, are you fully at ease with your experience right now? Are there are there any objections or complaints that you have about what is in the realm of your experience? Maybe maybe there isn't, you know. I can feel my folded legs, you know, and I have a little objection. I have this little objection of how my legs are folded. Like maybe I want my left foot which is resting on my right thigh i want it to be a little closer to the torso you know it's just like i didn't arrange it quite right just a, just a little objection to my posture but then um more subtly you know why are you coming to this talk you know do you Do you feel like you need to work with yourself? Do you feel like there is something that you need a spiritual practice because there is a problem that you have that you are not fully enlightened or, you know, so you need to get enlightened? Or, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're. You get angry now and then, and you feel like so this spiritual practice, this this could help me, you know, get less angry. Not as often. So I'll I'll sit some more, maybe this will help. Or maybe you have this general idea, which is now in our culture, is mindfulness is a good thing to do, and it makes you calmer and you know more concentrated and. And so implied in this wish to be calmer or more more focused uh, is a general observation that that you're not you're not calm, often you're not calm there's anxiety and just this general jitteriness about life. you know maybe you don't know what to do and you experience that as a as a kind of problem and you want. Clarity and, and, and wisdom from this practice. So all I'm saying is, like, are you coming to your practice with, as Tsukiroshi would say, a gaining idea? Yeah, probably you do. It'd be kind of odd if you didn't. Like, I I certainly came to practice this way and sometimes I come to practice this way even though I've been doing it now for almost 25 years I come to practice this way like I want to sit down I just want to sit down because my mind is not at ease so I don't want to judge this motivation that brings us to practice I just want to point it out I just want to point it out. Encourage you to recognize that there is a gaining idea in your practice. Now and then. You know, maybe not all the time, but probably quite frequently. You want something from it. So, this is the paradox of spiritual practice. This is the paradox of spiritual practice, because... Really, what we're, what this just in just sitting is pointing to, is to allow your experiencing to be exactly what it is at this time, to sit as Suzuki says, without gaining idea. So, so, exactly the opposite of what we're trying to do. Often, what we're trying to do is to get something from this practice, but the instruction is exactly to do, to not do that. Just to sit. Just to allow your experiencing to be exactly what it is at this time. At this time means now. And so what my experiencing is right now is what it is right now. It's already happening. It's actually, it, it's not complicated to think about it and realize that it's a waste of time and energy to try to object to your experiencing as it is right now, because it's already the case. It's already happening. I don't know why this is, but there is some fear, some subtle fear that we get stuck in our experiencing as it is now, if it is not pleasant or if it's not fully meeting our expectations. And so we, for some strange reason, we forget that the next instance of now is going to be different maybe not entirely different but different so you could have this sense that the now is changing right like there's this now and then there's this now and then there's this now and it's changing all the time and you have to like keep up with it or make sure that it's okay But the now isn't changing, the now is always now. There's the now never goes away. This is very strange. Like when you think of time in a timeline, there are these nows, you know, they're all different, but sometimes I think like the now is just this frame, this rectangle, and and the world is there and moves, time moves something else into the frame at all times, but the frame is actually stable. The now is just there. It doesn't go anywhere. But the experiencing changes. I've gotten used, by the way, I've gotten used to the to the left leg not being quite in the right position you know my experiencing of it is already different i'm not making this up it's actually the case when i focus on it now it's less objectionable who who would have known you know 10 minutes ago it was rather objectionable now i'm already used to it all i'm saying is it changed I don't know how and why, but it's when i when I bring my attention to it now it's already different allow your experiencing to be exactly what it is at this time is an antidote to this um to this habit energy of having an objection, a resistance, or a desire for your experiencing to be other than it is. It's a it's a shift. It's like you're shifting to a big space in which Whatever happen, is happening is allowed to be happening. You see, um, when I'm in this uh, resisting, objecting mind, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm constantly, I'm absorbed into the content. I'm, I'm trying to manipulate the content. I'm trying to do something with it. I'm, okay, I'm too, I'm talking about sort of a, a general feeling of unease in my life, you know, it's like, it may be quite minor, it's not that these are great objections, it's just like, there's um, this unease, this restlessness that something needs to be fixed or, or done about, uh, about my life. And so what I'm suggesting is that this just and just sitting is a, is a kind of stepping back and a relaxation and a, a fundamental allowance. Like, this is, you know, this sucks. And, and, at, and at the same, yeah, I mean, I'm just imagining some experience that sucks. You know? It sucks. And at the same time, oh, well, you know, a big space in which this sucks is Okay. there's nothing you can do about it anyway this is the this is this weird thing like there's nothing we can do about the smoke right now in the air it's it's so painful in so many ways not just for the lungs but just when you start imagining what it means for the world these fires this dryness this climate crisis it's it's um It's very disturbing. The more you get into it, the more disturbing it may be. And I'm not saying to neglect it. I'm saying something about maintaining sanity in the midst of the world of suffering, where there's nothing right now that can be done about the smoky air. It's already happening. I'm not saying that in a second step you might not devote yourself to climate action. I'm saying right now, already there is smoke in the air. How are you going to relate to it? With allowance or with objection? Are you going to receive, willingly receive the smoke? Or are you going to be angry about it? it's hard to actually know who to blame because i'm i'm participating i'm participating in this climate crisis and through my behavior too i want to blame someone else because this is being done to me but i don't know how, i i have i've lost the the ability to exactly know how to do this it's anyway <clears throat> Now, there's a very common objection to this sense of allowing. Because when you just allow, it can feel like, well, so I'm just going to allow everything and not do something about it. I'm just going to be the victim of things that are being done to me or... Uh, I'm not going to take an active role in my life. I'm just going to passively allow things all the time. And I think it's a useful doubt. It's useful because it can um, raise... um, our observational skills to a certain level, and say, like, what what is what is really meant by this? You know, you don't want to be confused by the word. So I'm going to go into this a little bit. There's this adage in Zen: when when you're hungry, eat; when you're tired, sleep. And um, let's just take being hungry. Being hungry is a sensation. It's you're experiencing right now if you're hungry. I haven't had breakfast, so I feel a little hungry. So it's right there, so it's easy for me to relate to it. Um, It's this kind of cavity feeling in my lower abdomen. You know, it's like, "Eh." I want to fill (laughs) it. So it's just a sensation, right? It's a sensation in the in the abdominal area. That's what I call being hungry, and to allow your experiencing to be exactly what it is at this time means to notice these sensations and to be at ease with them like this is this is happening right now. this is actually. As I said last time, and we talked about it a little bit, the truth of my experience is already happening. So when I fully allow this sensation and I don't form an objection to it, this doesn't mean I need to continue experiencing it forever. It doesn't mean that on the behavioral level, and that's what the eating part is, when hungry, eat. Eating is a behavior that responds to the hunger sensations. So when you fully experience being hungry, eat. Generate the appropriate behavior in yourself in response to these sensations. When you're tired, which is another bodily sensation, generate the appropriate behavior in yourself and sleep. Hmm? (laughs) Gil's sitting here and says, when you're tired, generate the appropriate behavior and drink coffee. She was whispering to me, drink coffee. (laughs) Okay, either one of those, sleep or drink coffee. So I I just want to work with this distinction a little bit, the the distinction between the sensation level of your experience and uh, and the behavioral level. And the confusion is that when we allow our experiencing to be exactly what it is at this time, we somehow think like, does that mean I need to cut off certain behaviors? I, I can't do certain things? No. You can. Your activity can just be what it is. All you're doing is you're bringing a non-interfering awareness to what you're experiencing. You're allowing your experiencing to be exactly what it is. It doesn't mean you need to now um, power through it and say, like, now I'm going to have to be hungry all day because I'm allowing it. No, you are allowing your experiencing to be exactly what it is at this time. And you are also allowing it to change. So your activity will modulate your sensations And so you're hungry, then you eat, and then you feel satisfied. And then you fully allow the feeling of being satisfied until that goes away and you feel hungry again. So let's take a more... uh, I'm just trying to make sense of this rather trivial-sounding adage, you know. But what I like about it is there is the experiential level and there is the behavioral level. So so, let's say someone speaks to you disrespectfully. You consider it disrespectful because that's a view, but anyway, you know what I mean. Somebody speaks to you disrespectfully and what arises are these sensations in your body that you call hurt feelings or that you call anger. Whatever it is, There are these sensations that arise in response to this, what what appears as disrespect. To allow your experiencing to be exactly what it is at this time means to be present to and be willing to embody these sensations that arise in you in response to this, what appears as disrespect. Disrespect. It doesn't mean you can't, on the behavioral level, stand your ground or say something back to the person who is disrespectful. In fact, your sensations, like hunger sensations, lead to eating. Your sensations may lead to certain behaviors that are a response to what you perceive as disrespect. You understand what I'm trying to say? Do not confuse your behavioral activity with the instruction to fully open up, be be fully open to your experiencing. For example, if you get angry because there's a disrespectful... Uh, communication happening, or what you consider disrespectful, maybe you get angry, right? So now the instruction would be to allow your experiencing to be exactly what it is. So you're not trying to be a better person. You're not trying to not be angry on the experiential level, meaning you're not trying to deny that these sensations have come up. In fact, the more open you are to the sensations that are arising, the less pressure you will feel to act it out immediately. There'll be a kind of choicefulness that that arises in like, well, I can allow these sensations so I don't have to immediately try to do something about them. But you can. You Don't forget, you know, you can. I sometimes think that anger is also a kind of, in this case, when I feel into it, you know, anger is something like, it's a build-up, it's it's a build-up, no, it has built up because I have not allowed myself to handle the situation that invites the disrespect in a different way, so, because I've forgotten that there are other options of behavior I'm getting angry. No, I have to like, now I have to have a lot of energy to do something about it when actually I could do something about it. You know, I could just walk away from these situations that, that invite this difficult behavior or have better boundaries. And that would all not involve anger. But since it's come to this, now anger is arising and there's no point in denying it. This is what this allowance means, is to allow yourself to be yourself. This is already happening. You know, do just because this is difficult to be this human being with these patterns and these habits, you know, don't pile this immense suffering on top of it where you're dividing yourself against yourself, <clears throat> Where you're not allowing yourself to be what you already are right now. Okay, so just sitting, understood as allowing your allowing your experiencing to be exactly what it is at this time, you know, is not limited to sitting. I've been already saying this, right? In my examples, I've already, it's not a it's not limited to sitting. Sitting may be the favorable posture because it's this mixture of lying down and standing up. You know? (laughs) Sitting is relaxing into non-activity, which is lying down, while maintaining the uprightness of your waking life. So it may be a very conducive posture to practice allowing you're experiencing to be exactly what it is without interference. But it's not the only posture in which it can be practiced. So if we use sitting for a certain amount of time each day as a way to familiarize ourselves with this mind that is at ease with whatever is happening, then hopefully, and also organically, this mind can translate into other ordinary situations that are not sitting that are whatever this uh this mind that we're inviting that is doing the allowing is we can call, you know, the field of mind, we can call it awareness, we can call it your true nature, you know, you pick one of those. It's always there, you know. This is what this question of like what is aware is is one fruit of this practice. It's like it's right when you ask what is aware, awareness is right there. you don't you don't have to like make uh assemble something complicated <laughs> it's, it's not like, "Oh, I need to knit my awareness. It's going to take a long time. <clears throat> it's already there. All you needed was this, like, little shift in perspective. Like, what's aware? Oh, there it is. Like, awareness is aware, of course. Awareness is completely uncomplicated. It is present for everything. This is why we, are, like, our main resistance is actually to awareness, because... Awareness actually doesn't have a problem with, let's say, an unpleasant experience. Awareness has no problem with an unpleasant experience. I have a problem with the unpleasant experience. Awareness doesn't. It's just whatever happens, awareness is right there for it. You know, you talk about ego and self and... Ego, self, these mysterious things are just the kind of accumulated resistance to experience. Trying to manage it a certain way. Well, ego and self is gone immediately when you shift into awareness. Because awareness doesn't have a problem. Our friend and resident, uh, fellow resident, Reynolds Bean, died last week, and we did a cremation ceremony for him in Creston on Sunday. And at the cremation ceremony, I said, too early and just at the perfect time. You know, just at the perfect time is awareness allowing this death to be exactly what it is, which is death. It happened. There's no point in arguing with it. Did it have to happen? Could it have been avoided? Was it too early? Did the medications do it? Yeah, we can ask all these questions and what what remains is like it happened. It just remains. It happened. Awareness doesn't have a problem with it. And at the same time I said too early, you know, and too early feels like you know, I can feel my attachment and my love for Reynold in it. It's like it's too early. And the perfect time. Those things do not contradict each other. It's like they are happening in two, on two different planes of the mind. Those planes are not disconnected. It's like when we bring them together, we can live a compassionate life. A life that's both grounded and resilient because it is steeped in the awareness that everything is already the way it is and there is no need to argue with it. And at the same time, we have our likes and dislikes and preferences. We can be relaxed about it, actually. It's too early, but I don't have to freak out when I feel that. You know, sometimes in spiritual practice there are these great qualities that uh, are attributed to true nature or Buddha nature or awareness, Um, like... Kindness and compassion and wisdom and steadfastness, you know a modern word for that is resilience, some kind of inner strength, imperturbability, these kind of qualities they are they're attached to awareness, like awareness has these qualities. no, it doesn't. <clears throat> Awareness has no qualities at all. It's completely invisible and elusive. We call it empty, right, it's empty. It's like not even there, it's like, no, it's there, but it's ungraspable. It's not compassionate. So, so why would, why would, why would these qualities even come? Why are we discussing them? Because miraculously, awareness manifests. I like to speak about kindness, you know. Um, let me start there. Awareness manifests as kindness because it's in contrast to the manipulative harshness that I have been bringing to my experience as a habit. You understand? If I have been trying to manipulate my experience all the time, like, geez, I should be a better person, and uh, this isn't good enough about me, and I need to work a lot harder to get to this and have this success and you know, like this that being divided against myself with a certain criticalness if I stop it how do you stop it? you stop it just by going to awareness which is allowing and non-interfering when I stop this inner restlessness and I just let awareness be present it already is but I bring it out of forgetfulness it feels like kindness it feels like this space that wasn't there before and as I define kindness as making space and adding a little warmth it feels like it feels like this space that has a little warmth to it because the criticalness stopped. But when you examine when you examine uh awareness more deeply, it's like it never had a problem, so it never needed to be kind. Or wisdom, you know. Because I'm constantly anxious about knowing what to do, like I need to figure out what to do with my life in response to this situation, and what am I going to do, and am I going to do the right thing? Because I am constantly in that very exhausting activity of needing to know, when I shift into awareness, it feels like Strangely, awareness always knows what's coming next. There's wisdom. Out of nowhere, the right idea comes. So, awareness seems to be wise. But it's only wise in contradistinction to this, like... Ah uh, anxious need to know. I'm checking in with Gil whether I need to stop. I think I need to stop. Um but I'll 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 tell one more story to conclude. The day after the cremation, I picked up um, the ashes from the cremation. And I had, I've had i had an understanding with the family of what to do with the uh, remains, and also Renault left some instruction. What he wanted. And so I... Uh, It was decided, and I just happened to be the person who carried it out. I took about half of the ashes and walked up Spanish Creek in Crestone to this place where we have a headless Buddha mounted in the cliff. That happened years ago, you know, and it just marks a certain spot. So I walked up with the ashes in my little monk bag, shoulder bag. Um, and I arrived at that spot, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to spread the ashes exactly. Should I put them in the ground, <laughs> or should I throw them in the air? <laughs> uh, Or should I sprinkle them into the creek? I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what felt right. So I allowed myself not to know. And I saw this log that had fallen across the creek. And it seemed stable. So I climbed onto the log. And I sat over the rushing Spanish Creek water. And I put... This sounds weird, but it felt like it, I put Reynolds beside me, you know, like. So we sat there together. <clears throat> and then I had this question, you know, what would feel good to do here? And I had a, I brought a little shovel, so I went into the bag and took a little shovel and I threw it into the water. I mean, into the air and into the water. And just at that time, it started to rain. It was a sunny day, you know. It was very strange. I threw it into the water, and it started to rain. And it felt like, and I'm not saying this is the truth, but it felt like this larger field was participating. I'm not saying that's true because I'm not this kind of... There's nothing mystical, sh- mystical about this. It's, I want to avoid this, um, this kind of interpretation. But it felt very comforting to be rained on at this time. It's just like I was very receptive to that. And I took it as an encouragement to... Uh, You know, because the water element, I took it as an encouragement to continue with putting the ashes into the water. And then I had a feeling like, oh yeah, Reynolds wanted some of his ashes to be taken to Crescent Mountain Zen Center. And it felt like, oh, here, they go to a particular kind of spot, but at the same time, They're carried everywhere by the water. That's the kind of feeling that I had. And it was comforting to feel like the water is already, like it's coming from above already and it's um, mixing with me. Like my shirt's getting wet and I'm just allowing that. And there's a big cycle, you know? Big cycle of connectedness. So there's nothing there's nothing remarkably special about this story or about my experience but the reason I'm telling it is because my acceptance of not knowing which is a frequent state that we're all in not I mean relaxing out of like how do I do a Right, uh, disposal of the ashes ceremony now with myself in the mountains. Um, something happened, you know. I did something, the heavens participated, I had some feelings, uh, insights arose about connectedness, and mm, so felt like a complete experience. So wisdom, you know, I don't know if this is an instance of wisdom. I, I'm i just saying wisdom or knowing what to do may arise from not knowing what to do. Because this now moment just continues. Something happens. And when we're there with awareness, we cannot help but participate. Kindness is this quality of this awareness that has no qualities. Wisdom is this quality of an awareness that has no quality. Resilience, the ability to stay with what is, is this is this um, quality of awareness that has no qualities because awareness already has no problem with how life unfolds.